Good morning. Welcome to our summer women's Bible study from Calvary Monterey. My name is Denise Buck and we are going to be uh, studying 1 Thessalonians 3 today. So I'm so grateful that you will join me and uh, study along with me. Before we jump into chapter 3, I just want to do a little uh, review and recap of chapter 2. Chapter 2 was a lengthier uh, chapter. We went through last week. You can find that uh, podcast uh, on uh, the Calvary Monterey Women's Ministry uh, Facebook page if you want to listen to that um, and you're just jumping in today for the first time. So just a little review though. So let's pray and then we'll jump into this. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you so much for every listener to this podcast. I pray, Lord, that you would feed them and nurture them from your word. Lord, that you would give me clarity of thought and mind. I hide myself in you this morning, Lord, and ask you to speak through me in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. So uh, last week in 1 Thessalonians 2, we saw six different things. We saw uh, Paul's message, that it's the message of the gospel. I love uh, 1 Peter 1.25. It says it very concisely um, and says that this good news is the message of the word of God, the gospel. So it's a, a good message. It's a message based in the word of God that never changes and that uh, is eternal forever. So it's uh, a message and then there were the messengers. So every message needs to have messengers. That's all the people down through the ages who taught the Bible, who preached the gospel. And a beautiful passage in 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we are ambassadors for Christ. A wonderful concept to just meditate about that as messengers of Jesus Christ, as ambassadors of his kingdom, we represent something far beyond and far bigger than ourselves. And that because of this message and because of being messengers, um, there's a mission. And this mission is uh, the living, unchangeable Word of God. And we referenced Hebrews 4.12 that talks about the Word of God being different than any other word. The Word of God being the Holy Bible, being something living, something active, as a seed that can be planted in our heart that can produce good fruit throughout our lives. And then finally, uh, Paul talks about there's a certain method of getting this message across from the messengers and the mission that he is on to declare the word of God. And the method, methods are so interesting. So we saw in those uh, verses of 1 Thessalonians 2 that the methods were as the methods of a family, that the word of God displayed in the body of Christ, Christ's body uh, being the church here in the earth, it's not an organization, but it's rather an organism. And the methods of this New Testament preaching were for, for, for us, first of all, to come to Christ as little children. Matthew 18, verses 1 through 3, Jesus declares in those passages that if you don't come with childlike faith, you're not going to be able to come. So we saw in 1 Thessalonians that uh, Paul talked about coming with gentleness as children, but then also being nurturers as mothers, and finally being those fathers in the faith who warn and admonish and instruct. All of this uh, will un inevitably, 
inevitably produce uh, suffering for those who follow the Lord, who walk by faith. It's uh, throughout scripture that when we take up our cross daily and follow after him, that suffering will be part of the byproduct of that and something that we need to expect and not fear to know that Lord will the Lord will strengthen us through that. I wanted to read before we go on into chapter 3 uh, again the passage in Hebrews. I'm not sure I read all of it last week but there's a beautiful pa- passage in Hebrews uh, chapter 10 starting in verse 32 that reminisces a little bit, talks about remembering and realizing even as we mature in faith, even as we grow in faith, even as we have opportunity to be messengers and ambassadors for Christ and be on this wonderful holy mission to preach his word and that this word is different than any other word. It's a living and an active word and God will uh, confirm it and perform it and it will do work in people's lives as we uh, relate to them sometimes as the as children, sometimes as mothers, sometimes as fathers, but then persecution will also occur, and uh, suffering will happen. Paul references that in First Thessalonians two, and a great cross reference to his uh, speaking about the suffering that uh, can come upon all of us at different stages of our Christian experience and our Christian journey is described in Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 32. Listen to what the word says as I read it. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. So let's take a moment of quiet right now and just think about, I don't know for you if that was four years ago or 10 years ago or 40 years ago, but just take a moment and reminisce and think back on those early days, how dramatically your life was changed when you first put your faith in Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule or beaten. Sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail and when, you, and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So this word of God that we ingest as we listen to teaching and preaching and as we teach and preach to others uh, produces truth in us that will last into eternity. So the external outward suffering seems minimal in comparison. And then Paul ends uh, 1 Thessalonians 2 with this beautiful, I believe it's a prayer, and uh, he's thinking of the Lord, of course, and then he's addressing his brothers and sisters. First Thessalonians 2.17, which will take us straight into chapter 3 that we're studying today. Paul says, Dear brothers and sisters, we were separated from you for a little while, though our hearts never left you. We tried very hard to come back because of our intense longing to see you again. We wanted very much to come to you, and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. That's an incredible thing that he would admit that. And then in verse 19, he says, After all, what gives us hope and joy, and what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns, 
it is you. Yes, you are our pride and joy. So that is his uh, hope and prayer for the Thessalonians. And he's just talking about, he's writing this letter because he cannot come to visit them. And he's being thwarted by Satan. Um, although he knows that eventually the Lord himself will be victorious. And he declares to them, uh, our delight, our joy, our reward is knowing that you are growing and standing strong in your faith. And that takes us right into 1 Thessalonians 3, where he says, finally, and he doesn't mean finally that he's ending uh, this letter because the letter goes on for uh, three more chapters. He's saying, finally, after enduring so much suffering, finally, after trying every different avenue to visit them, to actually come physically to them, and he says, when we could stand it no longer. Again, I just think that's an incredible thing for Paul, the great apostle Paul, the one who in other places wrote, when I am weak, then I am strong. And uh, wrote very victoriously about how Christ will lead us in triumphal procession. All these different things about the strength and the glory of the way uh, God can lead us in our lives. And yet, in this chapter, he starts out saying, we were at our wit's end. We could stand it no longer. So they made a decision. You know, making a decision sometimes is so incredibly important for the uh, so solidness of our lives, for the um, basis of our lives to be on a firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Often, we have to make a decision. Uh, as we, we referenced last week, sometimes it's a decision of, am I going to follow after money? Or am I going to follow after Jesus? And uh, the Lord tells us in Matthew 6, 33, or in Matthew 6, 24, we can't do both. We need to choose. Are we going to follow after people? Are we going to have to follow after Jesus? Are we going to follow after money? Are we going to follow after Christ? So sometimes there are very tough decisions to be made in the Christian life. And God will grant us grace to make those decisions. If we cry out to him, he'll give us wisdom to make those decisions. So Paul says here, we decided to stay behind or to stay alone. Tough, tough decision. He so wanted to go visit them again. We decided to stay alone in Athens, but we sent Timothy to visit you. Isn't it interesting how sometimes it's God's will? Uh, perhaps this was a plan B. Perhaps this wasn't plan A for Paul. It doesn't sound like it was. But in his plan B, he thought, you know what? If I can't go... I can send someone to go. So, so many times in our Christian life, I feel like the Lord gives us aspirations, hopes, dreams, visions of things that we might do in the future. And you know, the reality is our own biological children might do those things or spiritual mentees, disciples that God graciously gives us might do those things. So Paul had invested heavily in Timothy and he had great confidence in Timothy and so rather than going himself in this situation where, look back up into uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, where he says, we tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. And still I feel like Paul was like, Satan prevented me, but I can send my disciple. And so we sent Timothy to visit you. He's, and then he gives some of Timothy's credentials. He says, he is our brother and God's 
co-worker in proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. So he uh, affirms uh, Timothy and he says he has a heart just like ours. He is our brother in the faith. He is part of the spiritual family. And beyond that, he's a co-worker with God. He loves to do the work of the Lord. He loves to proclaim the good news. And then he tells why he's sending him. He says, we sent him to, to you for three reasons. To strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith, and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you're going through. You know, sometimes there are cards or letters or emails that we need to send. And when we send those to brothers in the faith, sisters in the faith, we need to have a reason for sending them. And I want to uh, encourage you that these are great reasons for reaching out to other people, whether it's through a text or a phone call or an email. If you just take a moment, spend some time in prayer before you reach out to someone, because you really don't know what, what they're going through, what exactly their challenges are, what you might hear if you're actually going to place a phone call. But if your heart is to strengthen them, to encourage them specifically in their faith, not just to encourage them generally or encourage them overall, boy, you can do it, that kind of encouragement, but to specifically encourage them in their faith. It is very life-giving. And then thirdly, to your intention to be to keep them from being shaken by the troubles that they're going through. You know, helping people have perspective is a huge ministry to people. Perspective is such a big deal for all of us. The vantage point at which, from which we look at life uh, can either cause us to be victorious or victims. So helping people have that eternal perspective and that vantage point of, you know what? You might be really going through uh, just a confluence of trials and troubles and difficulties and physical problems and uh, emotional problems and spiritual problems, but you don't have to let that shake you from your faith. You can continue to walk by faith in all of those things. And then he goes on to say in verse 3, but you know that we are destined for such troubles. Isn't that crazy? I, I've always uh, just been uh, mystified by the concepts throughout Scripture of our destiny and our calling and what God calls us to. In First uh, Peter chapter 2, uh, Peter talks about us being called to suffering. So that would be a good companion uh, passage for you to read along with these verses on your own time. But the, just the whole idea that as believers in Christ, we are called to suffering, we are destined for troubles. So God has committed to strengthen us, to encourage us, and to show us those ways in which our faith does not need to be shaken. Verse 4, even while we were with you. So he's saying, remember, when I visited you before, even while we were with you, one of the things we warned you about, we warned you that troubles would soon come. And they did, as you well know. That is why, when I could bear it no longer, 
Again, he says that same phrase he did in verse 1 of this chapter. When I could stand it no longer. Isn't it something to think of the Apostle Paul being like at the end of his rope and not knowing what else to do, and so he sends a disciple. So sometimes we'll be in that situation where we will send someone to do the work that we thought God was calling us to do. Other times we're going to be recipients of God sending someone to us. Rather than sending a letter in the mail or a a gift package from Amazon, the Lord often will send people. He may send a relative. He may send an old friend. Uh, God works most of the time through people. God sent Moses. God sent Isaiah. God sent Timothy. So Paul was saying, when I was at my, when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to you and then lists again reasons why he's sending Timothy. Again, those reasons revolve around their faith. So he says, when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith was still strong. I was afraid that the tempter had gotten the best of you and that our work had been useless. We visited that a little bit last week too, talking about, you know, whatever we do for the Lord, whatever we do in God's strength, whatever we do that is prompted by faith is never in vain. So whether it's the smallest thing of offering a cup of water or a bottle of water to someone or preaching a whole message or leading in worship or teaching in kids church the bible teaches us whatever we do for the lord is never in vain but paul was concerned he was concerned that possibly they had strayed from their faith for his so his main motive and desire in sending timothy to actually visit them was to see if their faith was still strong. It all revolved around that faith. Then the next big point is in verses 6 through 10. So let's just read this, and then we'll uh, go back through it. 1 Thessalonians 3, starting in verse 6. But now Timothy has just returned. So in verses 1 through 5 of this chapter, he talks about all the reasons why he's sending Timothy and how he's sending Timothy and uh, how they should receive him. And then in verse 6, he says, But now Timothy has just returned, bringing us good news about what? Your faith and your love. You know, priorities in Christ are so different than worldly priorities And many times it's just a great opportunity for us to check our own hearts, for us to think about, wow, what's most important to me? So let me finish reading this and we'll come back to that. He reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. Wow, reciprocity, it's it's an incredible thing. Um, It's mentioned again a little bit later in this chapter. So we have been greatly encouraged Where in the midst of our troubles and suffering. Dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith, it gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. How we thank God for you. Because of you, we have great joy as we enter God's presence. Night and day, we pray earnestly for you asking God to let us see you again to fill in the gaps of your faith. Wow, what an incredible uh, five verses there. 
So Paul is saying, okay, Timothy came to you. Now Timothy is back again. And he's actually brought us encouraging good news. And what did that good news, what was the content of that good news? That good news was that they were growing and they were strong in their faith and that they were continuing in love. Two super important values in uh, the Christian faith and everything God teaches us that faith needs to prompt love and that faith and love are so important. And he goes on to say, he reports that you always remember our visit with joy. So Paul is much encouraged, it seems like, that not only is he so interested in the Thessalonians, but also he discovers from Timothy's return that they're interested in him. Now, being things being reciprocal isn't uh, always a possibility. I can remember years ago, uh, there was a dear friend uh, who was a worship leader back in Fort Lauderdale, and um, she was very kind to me, and she allowed me to have prayer groups at her house, and sometimes she would lead the worship, and then she actually started helping me with my children. And a lot of times I wasn't able to do as much for her as I felt like she was doing for me. And I can remember one day leaving her house, and uh, just she had watched my girls for me, and she had girls, and so they all played together and had a wonderful time. And uh, she had probably watched my girls two or three times in that month, and I had not been able to make time to watch hers at all. And so I was feeling badly about this. I was leaving her house and I just thanked her profusely. And I said to her, you know, I really wanna return this favor to you. I really wanna do this for you uh, in the next month. Let me watch your girls for you so you can have some free time. And she just looked at me with this huge smile and she said, Denise, life isn't always reciprocal. Um, I do this for you because the Lord shows me to do this for you. Who knows? You may do it for somebody else someday, and that will be the way you repay me. So there's not everything about life all the time that's reciprocal, but it's so interesting to me that Paul points out uh, to them in two different places in verse 6, and I'll read it again. He says, he reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. Isn't that just a soothing, encouraging, uh, hopeful experience? When we have those people, gifts, uh, gifts as people in our lives, or groups of people in our lives, that we are so excited to see. And it's just a double blessing that when or if we get to see them, they are equally as happy to see us. That reciprocal back and forth just really ministers to our hearts, strengthens us, gives us courage for the future. Uh, then he goes on to say, so we have been greatly encouraged, where? In the midst of our troubles and suffering. Remember last week, if you got to hear that message about how we talked about so many times in the Christian life, things aren't, uh, aren't either or, they're both and. And so many times suffering happens right in the midst of great blessing. There can be huge blessing in our lives, and yet at the same time, sadness, grief, sorrow, suffering, difficulty, those times that we mentioned last week where Paul would say, well, there's a huge open door for ministry, but there's great opposition. So we need to accept 
those great things that God does in our lives and these great encouragements of people going and people coming and us having good reports and at the same time realizing they're very possibly going to be accompanied by trouble and suffering. One of my uh, favorite passages in the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John is probably my favorite uh, gospel. And in the Gospel of John, at the end of verse 16, or at the end of chapter 16, Jesus says this, starting in verse 31. Jesus asked, do you finally believe? So it's so important that we believe to the Lord Jesus Christ. But the time is coming, and indeed it's here now, when you'll be scattered, each one to his own home, leaving me all alone. And yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you will have peace where in me the peace that we need the peace that we desire to have is found in christ and then he says here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows but take heart because i have overcome the world and he lives in us so if he has overcome the world he has deposited within us that overcoming spirit to overcome the obstacles that accompany the blessings. So then he goes on to say, so we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering, dear brothers and sisters. Why? Because you have remained strong in your faith. You know, it is such an encouraging word and soothing balm also to our souls. When those we love, those we've cared about, those we've invested in, remain strong in their faith. It's it's something just to really make a consistent prayer request, I think. Not only that people come to faith, but people remain strong in their faith. It gives us, he says, new life. There's so many ways that new life or newness of life or renewal of life can happen for us by the Holy Spirit, by reading God's word, by being in an awesome worship service, by the coming of a dear friend who's still strong in their faith. But Paul says in verse 8, it gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. The Apostle John says it in 3 John 4 in this way, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. So again, we can look at this this truth in two ways from two directions I feel like number one it gives us it can give us great joy as we observe think about pray for those we love walking in their faith continuing in their faith growing stronger and stronger and stronger in their faith but also we can give great encouragement to others by simply growing in our faith continuing in our faith standing strong in our faith. So faith is the baseline, the foundation, the only way to really walk with God and please God, as it tells us uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith is the baseline for a springboard for all of the other loving good deeds that will cause us to do. They need to come from faith. Then in verse 9, 
Paul says, how we thank God for you. So again, I just want to pause for just a moment and we're going to end soon. But I just want to pause for a moment and think, are there people that God has placed in your life that you really haven't thanked him for, for a while? I can think of so many. The, one of the girls that first led me to faith, um, many people that we were blessed to know in our early Christian life, even recent uh, ones that I've had been blessed to know out at CSUMB, and I just want to take a moment and pause and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for these people that you have placed in our lives to give us great joy and to enjoy your presence with us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for those you've given to us. We thank you for those you've given us too. So Lord, we thank you that flow, for that flow that comes in the body of Christ. So he says, how I thank God for you. Because of you, we have great joy as we enter God's presence. Night and day, we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again to fill the gaps in your faith. So I just want to end on a challenge, um, and then we'll finish out these last few verses. But the next time you make plans, and I know all of us have been fairly stationary through this COVID time, but the next time you make plans to go visit friends or relatives, disciples, Christians you know, and other places. Make it your ambition to go to encourage their faith, to see how they're doing in their faith, to not see what vacations they've been on necessarily or how their family has dynamics have grown or changed or if they're living in a smaller or larger house than they did before, but just go to see if they're living for Christ if their faith is growing, and if they're not allowing themselves to be shaken by the troubles they're going through. Finally, verse 11. This is the end prayer, and we'll make this our end prayer. He says, May God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ bring us to you very soon. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. Lord, we pray for that overflowing love for one another, not just uh, passing acquaintance uh, relationships with one another, but a deep abiding uh, family type, brother to sister, overflowing love for one another. Verse 13, may he, Lord Jesus, as a result, make your hearts Three things, prayers that we can pray for people is that the Lord would make their hearts strong, that the Lord would make their hearts blameless, and that the Lord would make their hearts holy or set apart as they stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes again with all of his holy people. Amen. So that's our closing prayer for this chapter, 1 Thessalonians 3. And I just want to encourage you, our care for people needs to be for their faith, for their love, and for their hearts. Three concerns that we can have for the hearts of the people that God brings into our lives and three concerns that we can have for our own hearts as we walk with him or that our hearts would grow stronger and stronger, that our hearts would not uh, 
get hardened, that our hearts would not fail, that our faith would not fail, but that our hearts would grow stronger and stronger, that our hearts before Christ would be blameless, that we would be entering into God's presence every day, asking for that powerful cleansing of the Holy Spirit to make our hearts pure and clean before him. And then for our hearts to be holy, for our hearts to be set apart, to love God first, to love his people second. So Lord, we ask again in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would seal these things to our heart, that uh, we would have a passion to reach out to people as deep and as strong, as intense as uh, Paul's passion to want to go to the people in Thessalonica. And when he realized he could not go, he sent his strong disciple, Timothy, and that uh, we would have a good report as we are able to visit with people uh, through Zoom and various different ways during this time of COVID. We ask, Lord, that we would see good reports of their faith growing stronger, their hearts being encouraged, and them not being shaken by the trials they're going through. So, Lord, we thank you for all you're doing. We commit this time to you. We pray that you would use us to strengthen, to bring about your kingdom and to strengthen those we love. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, we'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening.